All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Well, lovely Tuesday. How are you? Hope you had an awesome family day weekend. Got to uh, hang out with the uh, friends and family. Uh, you like uh, watch some hockey hey kudos to the uh, golden bears big win on the road in game three in overtime baby that's what makes the playoffs so awesome uh welcome to the gregor show as always it's presented by PlayAlberta.ca, where uh, if you haven't tried you can get in the game it's easy and uh first uh, entry is free uh sign up use the uh, promo code sports 50 and you will get a free 50 dollar wager at PlayAlberta.ca. A, of course, uh, busy week in the National Hockey League. The uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Oiler fans, uh, there's not a lot of downtime for your team now. Of course, uh, they had the day off today after uh, defeating Arizona. Another uh, come-from-behind victory in the uh, third period. The Oilers just decided, okay, let's wake up for uh, 20 minutes, and they did. And they uh, dominated the third period. Banner Kane had two goals, uh, Hyman and then uh, Fogel into an empty netter, and the uh, Oilers skate away. They are now 16-0. and against bottom 11 teams in the NHL. Do you know what their last loss was, Connor Halley, to a, quote, bad team? No. Off the top of my head, I do not. Well, you should. <laughs> oh, are we going right back to... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we don't even need to go there, do we? Yeah, ever since the uh, the debacle in San Jose. <laughs> but, uh... Seems so long ago for me, personally. Yeah. Don't trust me. It's not that long ago. Uh, you grow your hair over. Like, seriously, I shaved my head again this weekend. And, oh, man. You know, for any of the gentlemen out there who uh, shave their heads, or ladies too, I guess. Hey, awesome. Maybe there's a few Sinead O'Connors. Nice. Right? The pink look. It's good. 
Um, uh, when you don't grow it out, like I've on, like I'm wondering, and I would like a, a hair person because maybe I'm dreaming, but honestly, think that me growing my hair out for three months, it's like it took everything out of it because now it seems like my hair is not growing as fast ever since I uh, shaved it off when I went to uh, to Tommy Guns. And by the way, I went to Tommy Guns and got a hot shave that like trim and then a hot shave. Gentlemen, I strongly, strongly recommend going to uh, Tommy Guns for that. It was like, honestly, I'm like, I can shave my head myself, but still, I don't do it where I have the hot towel on, then there's a little massage, and there's, you know, and then they do it like kind of like one level, then they do it again. Oh, it was amazing. But seriously, it does not, it's not growing back as fast, and that's a good, trust me, I'm not complaining. Like, I used to be able to go maybe three days, and then it would, uh, I didn't like it, so I'd shave it. Like, now it's up to six. So, I, like, I don't know anything about uh, how hair would work, but I'm wondering if that was like its last hurrah. It was just like, man, that took a lot out of us. We just, we can't grow it anymore, which is great, which makes me think, you know what? Like, I wondered if I grow it out for a month, would that mean the next time it'd be even weaker? Could I possibly just weaken it to the point that it would barely move and I only have to shave once a month? That's the dream. I'm telling you, that is the dream. It'd be be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Some people hold on way too long for their dream of their hair. Don't want to mention any names, but uh, you know who we're talking about. But I can tell you now, whew, not having to do it uh, every three days, it's a blessing. So I don't know if there's any truth to that. I'm sure there's some hair person out there. You know? uh, is there like a, a follicle school you can go to? Find out about that stuff, cons? Because uh, I'm curious. So It's like the time. Remember when I lost the bet many, uh, many, well, it wasn't really even a bet. It was uh, when I made the deal if we raised a certain amount of money that um, walk a, a day in her shoes um, for uh, domestic abuse, and uh, I would wear uh, high heels and a dress if we raised, I think it was like 10 grand. And then a good friend of the show, uh, Carrie, donated like eight himself just to be a dick. And uh, and then I'd have to wax my legs. And I wax my uh, legs, which, you know what, kudos to the to the women who do it all the time. But you know what, ever since I waxed the cons, on the, uh, on the outside of both my calves, the hair has never grown back. Really? Never. So I have that, yeah. So if we waxed your head. Well, no, dude, no, 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 no. I've thought about it, trust me. But it, that is a mofo of pain. No chance. Not doing it. I've uh, I've talked to people who have done it. I've had many hairdressers say, don't do it. Don't do it. It is, that's too much pain. So not not interested in that. So we'll see. I hope everybody had a great weekend. 833-401-1440. 833-401-1440. Can text us in our email inbox, 833-401-1440. There is lots to discuss on the uh, program today. Of course, uh, Sean Brown will uh, join us in studio, as he always does, uh, every Tuesday from uh, 3 until 5. Uh, Dave McCarthy from Sirius XM will be by uh, Strutty. We'll hear from Speck and DVD. Also, Sean Zach from the, uh, uh, is going to talk a little golf with us today. Um, Oh, well, we'll talk about the Genesis. Uh, you know, good outing. Uh, five Canadians in the top 39, including uh, Hadwin, who was uh, tied for fourth. Svensson, who was tied for, I think it was 11th. I got to double check that. But, uh, you know, another good uh, a good outing. The Canadians, five of them in the top 39. That's good. So uh, we'll talk about, you know, the PGA and live and where it's at. And also um, going to Europe. And covering golf and what what is the difference there compared to North America from uh, Sean Zach? Uh, we'll get, of course, to the uh, the Edmonton Oilers and oh baby, there is exactly fifty eight days remaining 
in the NHL season. And there is a lot on the line. Oiler fans, there's a lot on the line for you as a fan, for your team, for some individuals. So uh, the orders wake up after, you know, and by the way, we got to talk about the Dallas game. What, what a defensive struggle in the first period, tight defensively in the third period, and it was open fun game in the third, in the second period. Right? That's what it was. And uh, the Edmonton orders without their starting goaltender got a win in Dallas. Calvin Pickard, he wasn't great, but he was better than Jake Ottinger. And that's, that's really all you want from your goaltender. I know people are like, oh, I didn't like the third goal. Yeah, okay, you didn't like the third goal. Did Jake Ottinger like every goal he allowed? No. Who who do you view as a better goaltender? Jake Ottinger. Calvin Picker did his job. He got a win again. Right now, that's all he does is win games, which is the most important statistic. You can look at all the other ones and twist yourself in a knot till you're blue in the face. But I'm telling you, all you want from your backup is quality starts and win games. That's what he's doing. He doesn't have to be dominant. I don't expect him to be. That's why he's a backup. But, man... Uh, Chris Knobloch, a lot of the buttons he pushes works because he went to Pickard in Dallas and some people are like, oh, you're not going with your starter against Dallas. And hey, it worked. Now, Dallas, as I outlined uh, before the month started, they play 13 games in February, none of them consecutively in the same city. They're on the road. They come home for a game. They're back on the road. They come home for a game. It's it's almost like a whole road trip for a month where you're never playing in the same building ever. They're not home for more than I think it was two days in a row. Now, the order has just finished a little bit of a stretch like that because they had three on the road. They came back. Now, they were lucky because they came back late Saturday, well, I guess early Sunday morning, and they did get uh, three sleeps in their bed before they went back out. But they only, you know what, they're home for three days. So, it's kind of, I guess, not a complete seven-game road trip, but they uh, were on the road for six out of seven and uh, seven straight in uh, different cities. They were playing games and managed to go four and three, so they'll take it. Now they got a good test against the East-leading Boston Bruins, who come to town very good, but four, four, and two in their last ten games. They're not. They're not crushing teams as much lately. Florida has uh, closed the gap. Florida actually has a better points percentage. They're one point back at Boston with the game in hand. So, and they've won five in a row. So the, uh, the playoff races, man, all over the place in the final 58 games is going to be awesome. Look in the, look in the West. Edmonton is now within three points of Vegas with three games in hand. Edmonton has two more regulation wins and they have a better points percentage. They do face Vegas once more this season. Now, the orders are 13 back at Vancouver. They do have five games in hand, but that's a pretty big gap. Now, the only thing is Vancouver has a lot of games, three games against Vegas. They play the orders. They play the Stars twice. They play the Avs twice. Or sorry, Stars once, Avs twice, Jets twice. They play the Bruins. Like, they got a pretty tough schedule. Vancouver has the most games remaining against top 10 teams. So, could they get caught? Well, if they play like they did in the third period in in uh, Minnesota, they can. What? Did you see that? 10-7. Canucks just folding in the third period. Eric Sinek and Kaprizov each getting hat-tricks after JT Miller had a hat-trick. First game in the NHL with three hat-tricks in the same game since 1992. It was a fun game. I'm sure, I'm sure Oiler fans felt a lot of empathy for Canuck fans during that game. 
Hey, Cons, like, I'm sure if you went online, order fans, like, hey, Canuck fans, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Like, I love it. There's a good rivalry. Order fans don't like, like, I find order fans seem, if you had to ask them, at least online, they find Canuck fans the most annoying. That's the sense I get. And I'd be curious to why. What is it about Canuck fans that just annoys you? I don't know the answer. I don't really, I don't interact with Canuck fans, so I have no idea. But it does seem, from uh, order fans that I see when it crosses my timeline, they're, there's something about uh, the Canucks that they don't like in their fan base. Any ideas, cons? Started for me when I was about in grade 12 and uh, maybe a little older. And I was at an Oilers-Canucks game and some of their fans were drinking beers with a straw. That rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> I knew something was wrong at that point. And then they had the cup run and all that sort of thing. But that's where it began for me. There's they just, were drinking their yeah. beers with a straw. Yeah. It which was is very, a quite, like, let's be honest, that's a questionable decision. Especially a Rexall. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. That was an insult. You're ruining the Rexall beer. Yeah. It was an insult. It was a slap to the face of yeah. every Oilers fan there. There's a smugness, though. Like, living on the West Coast, they don't have to deal with the snowstorms that we have. Like, I think there's just a, a, a smugness to the, the Canucks fans. And we've experienced plenty. All right. There you go. <laughs> that might be the greatest reason why. I get, well, you know what? I was at a game and they're drinking their beer <laughs> with a straw. And that just rubbed me the wrong way. Isn't that weird? It's hard to argue with that. No, I can't. No. Like, if you saw Fine. that, isn't it like, that, that why? Would, like, if it's a fair point. You would have to ask the hell for are a you straw. Doing? Yeah, it's fair. What are you doing? Who drinks their beer through a straw? I'm sure someone's going to text in at 833-401-1440, say they drink their beer with a straw. Well, Connor's going to question your your judgment as a human being. And I probably can't argue with him. That's a, that's a bad decision. Um, meanwhile, the uh, Hart Trophy race, baby. As somebody who's a voter of the Hart Trophy race, I can tell you flat out, there has never been a race with four candidates like this. And... And so if you want to go see it, I broke it down at OrdersNation.com. Uh, I think it just came out. Um, the uh, the Hart Trophy race between McDavid, McKinnon, Kucherov, and Matthews. Right? Now, I'm not picking a side because there's too much of the season left. All I did was outline the numbers of, you know, the strength for each one. So first of all, Kucherov. Right now he's leading the league in points. He's got 94. He has 36 more points than any teammate on his team. That gives him a big advantage because the rule is most valuable to your team. Right? Like Matthews has one more point than Nylander. McDavid has 15 more points than Drysaddle. McKinnon has 21 points than Rantanen. Kucherov has 36 more points than Braden Point, who scored 50 goals last year. Like, like there's some good players in Tampa. So uh, Kucherov has been, uh, has been killing it. No question. Uh, then you look at uh, Nathan McKinnon. Well, Nathan McKinnon leads the NHL in five-on-five five scoring. Some people view that pretty important. I would agree. He's kind of being a freedom fighter. You look in Colorado, they got him and Rantanen, and he's 20 points ahead of Rantanen. And when Dinshushkin out, they got nobody else offensively amongst their four group. Right? He also has now had the second longest home scoring streak to start a season in NHL history. Behind only Wayne Gretzky, who had 40-game streak at home to start the year in 1989, his first year with the uh, Los Angeles Kings. Made an impression on home ice, did 99. McKinnon just passed Bobby Orr. He's now at a 26-game run 
on home ice. Damn impressive. Then you move to Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews, 49 goals in 53 games. He is on pace for 74 goals. If he scores 74, he'll be the sixth player to reach 74. If he only, and I'm putting that in quotations, gets 70 goals, he's only the ninth player in NHL history to score 70. It's ridiculous, man. It's a lot of goals. It's good. Now, what hurts him is the is the point total for Matthews. Right? A, he's one ahead of his own teammate. B, he's currently 21 back of uh, Kucherov. Now, he does have some games in hand. He has um, three games in hand on, uh, on Kucherov at this point. So, there's that. Then you go to Connor McDavid. Now, McDavid has uh, closed the gap in points because uh, he's at 83. He's 11 back of Kucherov, but he has five games in hand. Kucherov's at 1.68 points per game. McDavid's at 1.66. McKinnon's at 1.63. Connor McDavid, right now today, is on pace for 99 assists. If he reaches, he doesn't have to reach 100. If he reaches 99, actually, if he reaches 98, the only players who have had 98 points or 98 assists, not even points, that's crazy to say, 98 assists in a season, Wayne Gretzky, 11 times. Lemieux did it twice, once being 98, the other being 114, and uh, Bobby Orr one time at 102. Assists. So Connor McDavid right now is on pace for 99 apples this year. If he reaches 99, he'll become only the uh, uh, the fourth player to do it. It's pretty amazing, right? Now you know you value goals, assists different, puts them in the conversation, no doubt. Now, if you look at uh, at some other categories, uh, you know because when it's this close, I think as voters they're going to have to look at everything. You have to. You have to look at offense for sure. And, you know, who they score against, to me, that matters. And, you know, I did the uh, the breakdown against, um, you know, good teams, bad teams, all that stuff. The one thing about Nikita Kucherov right now, he is crushing it against the 10 best teams in the league. He's got 37 points in 41 games. That is great. He is, that is, it puts him at one point. Um, seven, eight points per game. McDavid's next at 1.35. He has 19 and 14. Now he's played fewer games against those top teams. He'll make that up. But Nikita Kucherov is absolutely killing it against the toughest competition. And that's something you got to factor in. You can't overlook that. At least I don't think you can. You have to look at everything. Now there's points. Then there's, you know, playing defense five on five. So Nathan McKinnon, how about this? Nathan McKinnon right now. Now, he's played more games, for sure. So the gap will close. But he's currently played 123 more minutes 5-on-5 than McDavid. Now, McDavid isn't going to play 123 minutes at 5-on-5 over the next five games that he has in hand. right? Let's just say he plays 17 minutes a night. right? He's still quite a bit less. That would put him 38 minutes behind McKinnon. So McKinnon plays a lot 5-on-5. But if you look at all their numbers... Across the board, from uh, you know their shot four percentage means like how many shots four versus how many shots against McDavid has the best. He's at fifty nine percent. He's at sixty one percent in uh, scoring chances for because uh, which is uh, fifty eight for um, McKinnon, fifty four and fifty five for Kucherov and Matthews. So they're all very good. The one stat that he doesn't lead in, the only one amongst all those statistics, expected goals, scoring chances for, high danger chances for, all those things, is goal for percentage. 
That's where Matthews leads at 63.2. Matthews has been on the ice for 50 goals for, only on the ice for 29 goals against. Pretty impressive. McDavid's at 56 and 38. So, it's a good race, right? There's lots of uh, areas to look at for both. And the other race I do want to talk about before we get to our first guest is the Calder. Everybody's like, oh, Connor Bedard, Connor Bedard. And I get Connor Bedard. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to present you a player that nobody should be overlooking. In the history of the NHL, since they tracked time on ice, no rookie player has played more minutes per game than Brock Faber. Brock Faber is playing 24 minutes and 55 seconds a night as a rookie. Drew Doughty was 23.50. Duncan Keith, 23.26. It's nuts. And on top of that, if you look at his numbers, so A, he's, he's top 10 in minutes played against elite forwards, courtesy of puckiq.com. He's at a uh, number, he's a, what is it? Yeah, he's 10th. In, uh, in minutes against the lead opposition. But when you break it down, now lots of that is because uh, Tyler Spurgeon got hurt, and I get it. But he's done very well in those minutes. It's not that he's just playing those minutes. He's doing very well. He has the third best dangerous friend, which high danger chances and the lowest high danger chances against. Third best percentage for, so for and against, but he has the lowest against by quite a quite a large margin. When he's on the ice, the Wild do not give up a lot of high danger chances. That is impressive for a rookie defender, man. And you know me, I love offense. I'm all about the offense. And he's got 32 points as a rookie defenseman. It's really good. But I'm telling you, do not sleep on Brock Faber for the Calder. Everybody's like, oh, Connor Bedard, I get it. He's the shiny toy and stuff. But if you look at playing... Like, offensively, yeah. Bedard's been good. Not like out of this world we've never seen it before good, but good. But Brock Faber's doing things we've never seen for a rookie defender. And the Wild are a team that's battling for the playoffs, and he's leading the charge. Do you know how about this stat for you? Since December 1st, Brock Faber has averaged 26 minutes and 15 seconds per game. 26-15. The most of any player in the league. And he's a rookie. Like, that is damn impressive. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we're going to talk about, hey, speaking of impressive, it's been a little bit impressive. Rums are some Canadians. We'll talk about it next in the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Good tune, buddy. I like it. Con's getting us fired up on a lovely uh, Tuesday afternoon after the uh, long weekend and uh, 58 days of bliss if you're a hockey fan. you got the trade deadline coming up in 17 days. We've only had one trade in February. That's going to change. Now. Is it going to change this week? We'll see. But the uh, the trade winds are blowing, and you know it's uh, only a matter of time. Hannafin's getting dealt out of Calgary. Uh, we know that. I think Chris Tanev is also going to be uh, on the move. Jacob Markstrom? Uh, maybe not. That one seems uh, a little bit more difficult to do during the season. Uh, who are the order's going to acquire? All I know is this. The more I watch it, the more I feel comfortable in my statement that uh, as I understand the need for a second-line right-winger. I get it. But I would argue there's, I would want to upgrade the fourth line, uh, even two of them. So um, that to me is uh, is arguably the uh, the bigger thing right now for uh, for the Edmonton owners. So uh, we will see how it goes. Um, you know who's going to counter each other? Uh, who's going to get Jake Gensel? I, I don't think it's going to be Edmonton because I'm not sure the owners want to give up a first for a guy who's a pure rental. 
I think if they're going to give up their first, they'd rather do it to someone that has term or somebody they know they have a pretty good chance of resigning. Jake Gensel's American, pretty low chance, I think, he would resign in Edmonton. So we'll see. Uh, let's get to the golf report now, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Stay warm all winter at LegacyHeating.ca. As uh, are going to talk a little uh, golf with uh, Sean Zach from uh, Golf Magazine. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good to hear you. How are you guys? I'm great. Um, the a uh, little bit of Canadian invasion, really, on, on the like. Obviously, Brooke Henderson's been great on the on the women's side for a long time, and many could argue she's the greatest golfer we've ever had from this country. But right now, on the men's side, I think it's probably safe to say it's the deepest contingent uh, we've had. Five guys finish in the in the top thirty nine uh, this past weekend at the Genesis. I uh, had one at the top and fourth. Of course, Nick Taylor won uh, the uh, the WM uh, Waste Management Open. Uh, in, in a playoff uh, a week ago, uh, I guess kind of what do you make overall of of the Canadian uh, contingent and of those five, who do you think is the best? Uh, this is a question that I actually I like asking this group of five that exact question because I don't think they know who is best. Um, I, I've oddly gotten most number of of the Canadians, and I'm not sure why that is exactly, but. Um, I mean, right now it really kind of is between Nick Taylor and, and Corey Connors. Uh, Corey is just the the slow and steady, amazing irons player, always on the leaderboard. Maybe not in contention all the time, but just kind of always is there. Makes a ton of cuts. Uh, probably, like if you had to have them vote, I think they maybe would vote for Corey, but. Nick Taylor's making this name for himself as an actual closer, an actual winner, right? Like if you look at the statistics, when it comes to Sundays in contention, when you have a chance to win, Nick Taylor has been without a doubt, the best Canadian and one of the best golfers period. Uh, And so that's a pretty fun wrinkle about this whole thing is uh, what I really love is a lot of the Canadians have Canadian caddies too. So whenever, whenever, whenever they're playing well, it's a full Canadian affair. Well, I really like. I know uh, Hadwin had driven in just to watch uh, Nick Taylor uh, win that uh, tournament. They're very supportive of one another. I think they all realize it's very difficult to, to win a tournament. Uh, you know, never mind one or two in your life. Just once a year is is obviously uh, is super challenging. Um, well, as a guy who covers golf, and uh, we'll get to you. You know, leaving uh, the U.S. to go to Scotland for a bit in a sec. But um, you know, live. You know, with live coming up. How much do you think it has impacted the PGA on, on a week-by-week basis? How, how is the quality of competition noticeably lower in your eyes? Uh, that is a good question. I don't think the quality of competition is lower. I think some of the names that have departed have been filled in by the next you know, generation of up-and-comers, really. Honestly, to, to talk about Canadians, people like Adam Svensson have, are starting to reach their potential at the time at which other people have left for live golf. So I don't think the competition has dropped off. I think this has been a particularly tough season. Um, if you are a golf fan who really likes the best players winning all the tournaments, you know, if you really want – Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy to win tournaments early in the PGA Tour year. This has been a tough year for you. But I I try to look at it through a different lens of, like, who is the next 
Rory McIlroy going to be? Who is the person that's going to win four times this year that hasn't won before or has maybe only won one time? Like, who, how can how can Nick Taylor become an, a world beater if Rory McIlroy is winning all these golf tournaments? You need to kind of make room for other people to rise. And so I try to look at at least the beginning of the season through that lens because – uh, it can't always be the top five, six players winning these tournaments to really draw interest in the PGA Tour. We need to make room for brothers. So I've not, I've not really seen a drop off, but um, I know that Lynn has only gotten stronger as the years have gone by. So there is an element of that that goes a bit unspoken at times. Oh, no, definitely it, it, they've gotten better. Do you see, you know, there was talk that they were going to um... – you know, become one, shall we say. And and obviously that's gone by the wayside. Do you see that unfolding here at any point in the future? I do. I don't do. Uh, the that played within the last month were settled to earn $3 billion. Yeah, we got to get a better connection or else uh, that's not going to, I don't like having every uh, fourth word, unfortunately, uh, cutting in and out. So uh, we'll try to reconnect and see if we can get a better uh, connection because, yeah, that's not, that's not good for me. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. So uh, we'll see. But it, it is interesting. You know, I wonder if golf fans, for those of you who are diehards and you watch all the time, do you notice a significant difference in the, uh, in the level of, uh, of quality of play? And, does, you know, it's a fine line. Is having more winners better? Right, we'll see. We don't know, but uh, well, we'll try that again. Hopefully, the uh, the connection's a, a little bit better with uh, Sean Zach from uh, Golf Magazine. And uh, you know, Sean, you mentioned that you know, obviously, there's there's the uh, you know, Liv has improved, but I'll just let you finish your thoughts on if you think that these two will ever uh, uh, coexist. Well, not coexist because they're coexisting right now, but will ever become one uh, as one tour again? Or are we kind of destined to have the two tours moving forward? Yeah, I appreciate your patience with me. I I think uh I think there's a future in which they they do get together. Um the money that just came into the PJ Tour uh, will amount to about 3 billion. Um but that money came in largely because they want more money. <laughs> they want, the, the people who invest in the PJ Tour this SSG group They've signed on because they want access to the money that could come in from the Saudi Arabian public investment fund. Like this is not uh, a combative investment. This is the hope that they would have more investment. So as long as there is billions of dollars on the table earmarked in a certain way for golf, for pro golf at large, I think they will take it seriously. Uh, you know, will that lead to a deal being done in the near future? I think the answer to that is no. I think on the timeline of, let's say, the rest of 2024, I'd be far more optimistic that a deal gets done before the end of this calendar year. Um, will we see live golfers playing PGA Tour events this year? I would still say no, but I think that there's, there's – I'm very optimistic about the future. Maybe – in 2026, maybe halfway through 2025, you know, at some point they have a lot of big names and a lot of people that golf fans care about. And uh, we're reaching a critical mass where golf fans 
you know, they're going to vote with their eyeballs. And if they watch these tournaments and if they're just signing up to watch the masters and the U S open and the open championship, because those have all the best golfers in the world, that's a pretty telling sign. Yeah, that's uh, that's totally fair. Sean, Zach joined us from uh, golf magazine. Uh, Sean, I know you have a book coming out. Uh, you, you left covering uh, golf in North America for a bit, and you went to Scotland. What, what did you uncover? Uh, you know, kind of the the home of of golf a little bit more in Europe than it is in uh, in North America. What did you uncover? Yeah, what did I uncover? It's a good question. I think I uncovered that. Uh, golf in America, I, I basically learned a lot more about golf in America by going to see golf in Scotland. Um, I, I realized that you can have a, an economic system for the golf industry that does not demand $40,000 private golf uh, memberships, mm. you know, golf that can be private, but also shared with guests. Okay. Um, places that do not demand that your golf course be the perfect color of green, but that embraces the colors yellow and orange and brown because they don't need crazy amounts of water. You know, I just found golf in a much more simple way over there. And it kind of uh, was perfect timing because, you know, there are two elements of this game. There's the professional game and there's the amateur game. And so I found a, a more simple version of amateur golf. Um, all the while, the pro golf world was kind of upended. And so I kind of found myself thinking more about the structures that prop up this game, um, all while like uncovering news about its, you know, it, its best players in the world being uh, feeling like they're underpaid and being a bit greedy. And so it was kind of a, a confluence of trajectories throughout this weird summer in golf that were happening all at the same time. And when you, when you consider the history of the game over there, it, it felt like I was kind of being baptized or studying abroad in a way and uh, found myself wanting to stay in golf more than ever before when I had gotten home. So if there was one thing that north america we should bring from europe for golf what would it be i think the the sharing of private golf courses over there um is just not it's just not um prioritized over here and i i say over here meaning all of north america but um i you know Canadians are far more generous and far more nice and than their American counterparts. So maybe it, maybe it starts in Canada. Um, but basically you have these memberships, uh, these private clubs in Scotland, in England that say on Tuesdays, we are going to open our doors and we are going to have guests be able to play our best golf courses that we have. And we are not going to keep them uh, gated, right? We are not going to keep people, out. We're going to allow people in to enjoy it. They can travel here and we might charge them a little bit more money to have the experience that they want to have hmm. this private golf experience that people talk about. Um, and those, those increased rates for travelers, for Americans and Canadians that travel to Scotland, they tend to prop up the, uh, the P and L sheets for these private clubs. There is no demand to create a ton of wealth from golf clubs. They just want to have them exist 
and so that they can continue to be a benefit to the surrounding area. Um, and so I, I think that sort of economic structure that golf courses use is not yeah. this demand to make a lot of money, but rather to exist as a public good. Um, I would love to see that a lot more in America. And, you know, again, if, if, if Canada wants to beat us to it, all the more merrier. That's interesting. I know there's some of the private clubs in the U.S. specifically. Cause they're like they're huge clubs. I don't, you know, there's a few in Canada. Maybe the people are like, hey, I travel, I want to play there. But the U.S. has quite a few of them, and um, you know, it's really difficult to get on. And some of them never let anybody on. And you know, it's like there's very limited amount of players on those courses every day, right? So now they pay yeah. for it, I guess. So it's say you, you get what you pay for. Some people really like the exclusivity, but you know, is that really helping the sport? Is basically what you're saying? Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think this sport, we have seen a boom, um, both in Canada and America and worldwide in terms of people that are interested in this sport following the pandemic and the inspiration to be outside and to be with one another outside and to be doing a thing that is ultimately really hard but still very enjoyable. And so there are more golfers than we've had in recent years. And so we need places to put them, right? <laughs> we need places for these golfers to play. And there's greater interest than ever in playing the top 100 courses in the world. Um, a lot of those courses are private and are behind closed doors and are behind exclusive invites. And I just think that we don't need to make them public at all times. We don't need to make them public seven days out of the week. But one day out of the week uh, would just make this game a lot more open and would be far more endearing to outsiders, I think. It's mm, an interesting thought. Sean, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for this. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Take it easy. There's uh, Sean Zach from uh, Golf Magazine. So I like it. You know, somebody travels over. What's the biggest difference he's noticed between uh, North America and uh, Europe when it comes to golf? Well, there you go. Uh, we'll return. Sean Brown's going to join us after three o'clock. We've got a lot of text to get to. <laughs> I love order fans. They're so funny. Connor Alley stirs a pot by uh, suggesting the reason when he was young, he didn't like Canucks fans because they saw them drinking their beer through a straw. So uh, if you want to come, well, like, you know, if you have the most comical reason why you dislike him, which is totally fine. It's okay. I get it. It's, it's good to have robberies. I like it. You know what? Uh, and order fans have taken it on the chin this year, but unfortunately you have you, like, you have no counter. Because the Canucks have spanked the orders in three games this year. It wasn't close. Right? Like you are lippy, you're licking your lips waiting for that fourth meeting that'll happen in April. I can't guarantee the orders win, but I'll be very stunned if they get spanked like they did in those three games. Now they didn't really get spanked in the second game uh, of the season at home in Edmonton. They probably could have won that game, but uh, they didn't get many saves and you know, had a terrible stretch of what? I think it was eight minutes uh, where they allowed three goals. So the orders, for the most part, haven't, uh, you know, when they faced Vancouver three times in their first 12 games, that was when the orders were one of the worst teams in the NHL. And uh, since then, they've obviously been one of the best teams in the NHL. So it will be good to see them uh, meet. But we got lots to discuss on uh, McDavid, on uh, the orders, the orders' second period. It's funny. Like, their second period's being brutal, except the Dallas game. The Dallas game in second period is pretty good. So... Uh, it's going to be difficult. They didn't have a bad period uh, against Dallas. It was very tight defensively in the first, very tight defensively in the third, and a little bit open for both teams in the second. I thought it was a good game. Now, Arizona, first period, okay, decent. Second period, brutal. And third period, they just dominated. 
I'll never understand why any coach at any sport, when you have the lead, says, hey, guys, let's just sit in a defensive shell. Let's just I just get the puck out. Hockey has become a possession game now more than ever. Any coach who thinks it's smart holding a one-goal lead to just dump it out, with the ice three times in the first two minutes of that game, give me a break. They clearly had way too much of a defensive strategy. Whatever was mentioned in the second period was not mentioned the right way. Now, the coach might not have said, hey, guys, let's just ice the puck. I'm pretty sure that's not what he said. But if it's like, hey, let's not make any mistakes, let's play smart, now you're just putting negative thoughts in the player's eyes. Guys, they're going to have a push. Let's be ready. Done. Quick break. We'll return on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And get your text at 833-401-1440. Welcome back. How are you, Jason Gregor? Connor Halley on a Tuesday. Man, I feel refreshed. Hopefully you do, too. After a long weekend, a little extra day off. Oof, it's good. It's a lot happening. I'm just pumped, man, for the next few days. Like, if you're a sports fan, especially if you're an NHL fan, like, now is the time. The next few months is unbelievable. You got lead up to the trade deadline for 17 days, and then it's a sprint to the uh, playoffs. And this year, like, I'll outline the uh, playoff races, man, because they're going to be awesome. Every division for home ice is up for grabs. First and second in the uh, in the Metro and the Atlantic because the top teams are uh, within uh, one or, or two or four points of each other with games in hand. Then you look at the, the uh, Central, Dallas, Colorado, and Winnipeg are within five points, and Winnipeg has three games in hand on Dallas and Colorado. So they're close. You look at the Pacific Division. Now, Vancouver's comfortable right now. they got a 10-point lead on Vegas, but Vegas has two games in hand. They're 13-point up. Points up in the orders, but the orders have five games in hand. Now, are they going to win all five? Probably not. But what if they go four and one? Then you're only five points back. Like, and Vancouver, well, they do have a nine game homestand coming up, which is mind blowing to me. Uh, they also have a lot of games twice against Boston. They play the orders once. They play Vegas three times. They play Winnipeg twice. They play Colorado twice. They play Dallas. Like, they play some of the tough teams. So, we'll kind of see where they go. It's, uh, it's going to be awesome. Then you get into the playoffs, and not much bad. I don't care in any sport, uh, NHL. It probably fell closely to me by the NBA as far as the best playoffs. I just love it. Seven game series. It's awesome. Right? Baseball can be there, but I'm sorry, I just don't. It's non contact sports. It's different. It's a very different game. But I totally respect it. It's just different. Lots of text flying in at eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Hey, Jason, I live in Vancouver, and the Canucks fans are by far the most delusional. They're also super smug when their team wins and immediately jump off the bandwagon after a loss. Living here as an order fan doesn't help because I have to deal with them the most from Sarah. <laughs> Sarah's living in uh, in BC right now. That would be difficult. I could see that because obviously it's going to be a lot of Canucks fans, just like I'm sure for Canucks fans living in, uh, uh, in Edmonton. It's not great. Now, the Canucks are having a great year, so now you could probably uh, uh, have fun with it. Right, uh, I do. Oh, they've never won. I, I get that. But any Oiler fan who's under the age of thirty can't say it. they've never seen their team win either. So yes, the organization has won, but that's somewhat irrelevant if you're thirty years of age, is it not? Right, like you, you've never seen your team win. Now the Oilers have lost in the Cup final. Vancouver's lost in the Cup final for for both of those age groups. Right, but um, I, it's it's like Montreal fans. Yeah, we have the most cups. What? Yeah, when it was a six-team league, you dominated. Hey, even when it got up to a, an eighteen-team league, you're pretty good. But since it's been a twenty-one-plus team league, you've won twice, which is okay, but none since '93. 
Like they don't, they don't have, you can't always hold your hat on 26 cups when the vast majority of them happen when very few people in the fan base are even alive. Right? It's just different. Craig, I'll even up your number. I'm 37. Yeah. Don't remember an Oilers Cup win. Oh, there you go. See, exactly. We're getting close to the 40 year olds. Yeah. Know? They might true. vaguely remember, but mm-hmm. yeah, one day hopefully I'll, I'll live to see it. But yeah, the, the Cup's in 90, yeah, three years old, no memory. Yeah, it's 34 years since they won their Cup. So you'd probably have to be like, if you're 40, you were six. So do you really <laughs> remember? Oh, God, it might be 40 and, and under. It's like, God, we need a win. And you know what, though? The Oilers got a good chance. They're a good team this year. It's what makes the next seven days so exciting because who are they going to get? Who are they going to get at the uh, trade deadline? Hey, guys, wouldn't upgrading the top six be the better way to bolster the bottom end of the roster? Pushing Kane or Perry down to the third line would create a more balanced lineup, especially if Holland can also uh, pick up a better center option than Ryan or McLeod from Maple Jet. How are you pushing Evander Kane? Out of your top six in any, I, the orders have Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, Drysaddle, Kane, and McDavid. That's their legit five players who are top six. I'm getting one other top six player. I'm not pushing Evander Kane. Like where I, all of a sudden there's this small vocal base of order fan. Oh, they wanted to trade Evander Kane. Like if you want to talk to the uninformed, then listen to those who say the order should trade Evander Kane. He's got what twenty one goals now. He's going to score 30 goals, and he makes $5.4 million. He's the most physical forward by a mile on your team. But early in the year, he was on the ice for goals again, so that means he's terrible. It is the most inane argument you can make. right? Because like I said, go show the examples. Evander Kane was on the ice, sure. Now go show me the examples where he made the mistake time and time and time again that led to the goals against. Please do it. Right? Please do it. Doesn't make sense to me, right? None. The orders aren't a physical team and come playoff time, you want to get rid of your most physical Ford who actually gives very good value to goals to point totals per dollar and you want to trade him? What? Name one team who won a cup who traded one of their more physical top six Fords down the stretch. Like it is so idiotic it makes me hurt even talking about it i'm not even going to mention it again but seriously maple jet moving kane out of the top six come on man be better be better it's a ridiculous notion oh i read online somebody doesn't like kane's uh shot four percentage well geez let's get him out of the top six my god where's strutty when you need him in his uh chip voice because uh it's what you need right now like there's no uh i'm sorry it's just it's ridiculous does not make any sense. Hey, Gregor, gone but not forgotten. Two words that came to mind when someone annoyed me this weekend, like guys drinking beer out of a straw. Pencil neck and mouth breather. <laughs> From the burglar. Oh, that is true. Oh, Bronte. Those are some classic lines, man. <laughs> hey, pencil neck. It does. Especially how he delivered it. Oh, God. Mouth breather. Oh, I used to get really fired up. I like it. Um, I like it a lot. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Gregor, I think back to Rupert and his conversation about how Vegas was more professional than the owners. I think yesterday's game was a great example of that from Tiger. Well, I'm always cautious, Tiger. I'll say this about the orders. The Orders have the best record of the top 10, top 11 teams in the NHL against the worst 11 teams in the league. The Orders are 17-2. and two. They've won 16 straight. Their last loss against a team that, quote, they should beat was San Jose back on November 9th. Okay. Now, Colorado is 16-4-3. and three. There's a few other teams that have 16 wins and 15 wins, but they have, like, uh, Boston is 15-3-3. and Edmonton is 17-2. and um, In the game where Vegas beat Edmonton, coming out of the uh, the break, that one night Vegas did play better, no question. But do you know what Vegas' record is against bottom teams this year? 12-7-1. So in eight of their games, they, quote, weren't professional. I'm not, I'm not going to use yesterday's example. Like, a game, you can be a professional... And win the game. It doesn't mean you have to win all 60 minutes of the game. No team does that. Like the orders, were they great in the second period yesterday? No. Has it been a problem for them lately? Yes. Except the Dallas game. But they absolutely destroyed Arizona in the third. But you're not going to absolutely destroy teams for all 60 minutes. Just doesn't happen very often. Even the bad teams. Like they're still NHL players. So I, I wouldn't get too caught up. I think Edmonton, like they got the best record in the league for almost four months. Right? Like since, I think it's November. I got to double check since. Uh, if it's not the best, it's the second best since November 1st. Like that's a long stretch of time. They had such a brutal start. And so that's like eight or nine games compared to 40 plus games. Well, which one do you think is maybe a more accurate portrayal of who they are today? Right? And uh, Florida now, in the last, Florida has just eked out ahead. Orders at 705 percentage since November 1st, and Florida's at 713, but Florida's played a few more games. So, um, yeah, that's where they stand. They're the only two teams with above uh, 700 points percentage since November 1st. That's 44 games. That's a, that's a much larger sample size. Like, th- the brutal start of the orders is in the past. Now, that doesn't mean they're not going to have brutal periods, trust me. I know there's lots of people upset watching the second frame against Arizona, and I get it. They just refuse to shoot the puck. They were lackadaisical. They do what lots of teams do. Even though you don't want to, you take weaker teams for granted. It happens. 
Hey, guys, with how well Lane Peterson's playing him on us, why not call him up for a game or two and put him on the fourth line? He's in-house right shot centers producing points in the AHL from Frithy. Well, Frithy, again, I ask this question. Can you name a cup-contending team who at the deadline recalled a career minor leaguer and that guy was the difference maker come playoffs? Is that honestly what you think the best option for the orders is? Is Lane Peterson because he's scoring a few goals in the American League? Like he's never he's never been a consistent NHL player. Ever. And now you want to bring him in on a team who most view as a legit cup contender. Like that that just doesn't make sense to me. Like there's lots of guys who could produce in the American League. It doesn't mean they can produce in the NHL. Anton Lander, Tyler Benson. We'll go through the list. Right? We'll go through the list. So I'm not doing it. Um, good for Lane Peterson, but Lane Peterson to me is 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 right now a good veteran AHL centerman. Awesome, but that's what he is, right? He's not. He's played 71 NHL games. He has four goals. Like, yes, he had 13 goals, but I'll say this: he had 17 goals in 18 games with Abbotsford in 20. 20- 22-23. And then he got called up to the NHL last year and played 27 games with Vancouver and Columbus. Scored three goals. Okay. Which prorates to about nine on the season. Not bad. But like, what does he really do that's going to be a difference maker for you? Like, is he better than Sam Carrick? Is he better than Oscar Sundquist? Is he better than Nick Dowd? I think the answer is pretty clear. No. So for me, I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not doing it at all. Like, that's that's not the answer at all. Hey, boys, I'm pulling for the Canucks to win the President's Trophy, then losing the first round to a wildcard team. I dislike Vancouver more than Calgary from Gord Oil. So uh, a repeat performance of the Boston Bruins. And, hey, it's hard, man. We've seen it. Like, the President's Trophy, it's still, hey, you be the best team in the league, you, you still have better odds than any other team to uh, to win the Cup, right, if you look at it over the last uh, 20 years. However, there's no guarantee in the playoffs. Um, you know, Vancouver, that third period, that's probably one of the good things. Like I saw some Vancouver people, oh, cup contending teams don't give up 10 goals. And I'm like, well, we can go through the, there's actually quite a few teams that have done it, including the Edmonton Oilers when they won their first cup and they got spanked 11, nothing in Hartford. It's all how you react to a bad performance. And in this case, they were up five to two, right? And then the third five, three. At the end of the second. And then the third period, they were absolute dog. Gave up seven goals. But 20 minutes, does that suddenly mean you're not a contender? Like, I saw that from, like, hey, some of the, the Vancouver media guys, I'd love to get them on the show. Like, you want to talk about one extreme to the other. It's hilarious to me. Canucks have been good all year long. They had a bad third period against the Wild, and now people want to throw them out. and Oh, they're no good. They can't win. What? Why? They played crap for 20 minutes. They were the better team for the first 40. And then, like, I guess if you're going to be bad, like, be really bad. Because they were really bad. Hey, Greg, I'm curious. When a player is suspended, can they not be around the team during suspensions or use facilities? Um, no, they cannot practice when you're suspended. And you're not supposed to be. And now you can skate on your own, I think, outside of, like, the team's normal practice time. But you can't go on the road. So, yeah, that's... That's what it is when you're suspended. Hey, guys, I'm 43. Started playing hockey. Tom Thumb, love to watch. I sure was going to go into the show. Watching all those killer roller teams. We even got to skate in the ice. Sweet memories. But uh, I'm probably some of the uh, 
the younger people that truly remember. Hey, boys, I'm 40, and I vaguely remember. I have more memories of the Gretzky's run with the Kings in 93 from Rusty. Yeah, see, look, that's just three years. right? But that makes it, when you're 10, I think when you're 10, you really remember sports. Six or seven, probably a little bit tougher. So, yeah, I think that if you say the cutoff for the average order fan of 40 to not really remember a cup run, I can get behind that. So I could see why anybody 40, maybe 41, two and under is like, hey, I want to see a cup win. Why not? Because you never seen it. Like you got close. Like you experienced 06. And think about even 06 now. Like that's 18 years away. Right? That was 18 years ago. So if you're 25 and under, you never experienced that. So yeah, it can, uh, it can go by quickly. No question about it. So I would, uh, hey, it'd be fantastic for the city. You kidding me? I remember 06. I was hosting the, the night show back then, nine to midnight. We used to go till three in the morning after games. Fans were so fired up. It was fun. It's a good time. So see if it happens again. Let's get to the uh, con man, a sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering. Specialize in all your residential, commercial, and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 